Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 99, Connecting with the Chromebook, recorded May 14th, 2012, and brought to you by Elements OP Productions. ElementsOP.com. This week, we have a couple of uh, guests with us who are. Uh, uh, experienced with the down and dirty uh, uses of Google's Chromebook in their uh, uh, classroom setting. So we'll be talking with them. Uh, but before we, do, before we do that, we have our uh, usual mindless ramblings we have to do before we get to the good stuff. And so, Sean, um, when I think of mindless, I think of you. Uh, Mr. Sean <laughs> Keibel, uh, hi, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. You know, that just reminded me of a... Uh, I don't know if it, I think it was a contact form that we received talking about how our we have a rich uh, history of our co-hosts bashing on each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, this wasn't in the warm-up, but uh, I guess everybody's got an opinion. I, I've never heard anybody really take it that seriously. It was like, wow. Yeah, that uh, yeah, that I do, I do remember that. But it was actually they were talking about another show, but uh, right, saying that the, that we, they thought we were too negative uh, to each other. But uh, I love you, Sean. I, I want to go on record as to say that I love you, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Love you too, <laughs> Mark. I want to say, can you smell it? Can you smell it? Summer is so close, and. Uh, I, this was this was kicking around in my head, and just tell me, and maybe the chat room can chime in too, uh, whether this is a show. You know, I, I line up uh, all of our future shows, and whether this is someplace we need to go again. I know we did it last summer or just before last summer, and we, we did a show on summer prep. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you think we have enough new stuff to add? Probably not, right? I mean, you'd just be touching back on that, or what do you yeah. think, Mark? Yeah, we did a whole summer maintenance thing where we talked about uh, what I do. What Here's what we can do. We can roll that into the If You Build It series. Uh, we can uh, uh, cover part of that on the uh, next uh, series of that. Well, I'll be talking about uh, uh, the desktop. I talked about uh, getting the lay of the land. Then I talked about infrastructure. So the next thing we'll be talking about is the desktop. And I'll make sure to mention uh, some of the uh, the maintenance schedules that you need to, to implement. So that'll be a good place to put that. I like it. I like it. And while we're on the subject, I'll go ahead and take this opportunity to plug the forums uh, where you can jump into the forums. There's a a, a forum topic in there, uh, I think, uh, not only under this show, maybe under the other shows too, but I know definitely under this show where you can give us show ideas. So uh, if you have any ideas, anything we haven't covered that you would like us to cover or, or even something that we have covered and you want us to cover it again or in more detail, uh, hop on there and leave that. And I always love the input. It gives, uh, well, quite honestly, it makes less work for me. <laughs> yes. Input is a good thing. And I will right. say I've gotten lots of good uh, positive feedback about the If You Build It series. We're, uh, we really touched a nerve with that one. And, and that's good. I'm glad. Uh, so uh, we're looking forward to doing that one, uh, drawing that out for a nice long recurring uh, series. But I think Sean's got us pretty well booked for the next couple of weeks. And then we'll try to slip that in uh, maybe at the, the middle of next month or something like that. Right. You know, it's funny how that came up. And it, it, this has happened so many times in our history, Mark. We're just like sitting there going, man, I mean, we're trying to come up with ideas right. and, and we're, we're drawing a blank. And then all of a sudden something comes up and we're like, yeah, that might be okay. And then it ends up being super popular. So <laughs> I don't think either one of us anticipated that that series being so popular. But we have people going, when are you going to do the next one? Right. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to get back on that as soon as we can. 
I just wanted to draw uh, our audience attention to some legal stuff. Uh, Um, it's not something we've had in the past, actually, uh, but one of those things that you you, you kind of need to have is a, a a privacy policy and a terms of service and and that sort of thing. And and so as we uh, tend to uh, move the Element OP Productions uh, forward, I went ahead and, and put up on our website some updated and official uh, privacy policies and uh, terms of use. Uh, I don't think anybody will actually care to read them, but they're there and. Um, my lawyer says that we should mention that they're there, so I have done that. Uh, they are not in typical legalese. Uh, Sean, I don't know if you've looked over them yet, but they're, yes, uh, they're, they're very Google-esque, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was thinking more like uh, Zappos or Amazon, one of those things, but they're not They're not uh, your typical legal document. But I did run them by a lawyer, uh, and she said that they will keep us out of jail, and that's the important thing. So uh, go read it. You may, uh, may learn something. You may laugh a little, but then we can be indemnified because we can say it's out there and we told you to read it. So there you go. All right. Mark? And, yes. We just had a holiday pass, didn't Yesterday we? Yesterday was, in fact, Mother's Day. Sean, did you do anything wonderful for the mothers in your life? <laughs> Not nearly as wonderful as I should have, but <laughs> I did go and spend the day with my mother. And uh, this is uh, my mother... <clears throat> Her birthday and Mother's Day typically fall within about four or five days of each other. So it's like Mother's Week. Ah. And uh, so we, we did, uh, you know, happy birthday, mom, and uh, of course, grandma. She's got all the grandchildren now. And then uh, just went and uh, she, it's kind of weird. Uh, my mother does, she's like the Girl Scout troop leader for w- one of my nieces. And Go figure. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is something moms would want to do. But they pick Mother's Day weekend to be like the weekend that they go out on their weekend camp out. Interesting. So she was gone, you know, and I somewhat frazzled. I imagine all these mothers just frazzled and trying to pull all of this together. Um, but that's what they did. And uh, so they came back Sunday afternoon. So. Uh, so we headed over to her house Sunday afternoon and got to spend the last half of the day with her and, uh, just, uh, let her know how much we appreciate her. How about you? Well, I asked my wife, uh, last week, you know, what she wanted to do, you know, do you want me to take you out somewhere and buy you dinner or something? And, and being the good Texas woman that she is, she said, will you smoke me some pulled pork? So that's what ah, she wanted for Mother's woman. Day. So yeah, she is she is a good Texas redneck woman. Uh, so I uh, cooked a meal for my my wife and my mother and my sister in law, uh, the mothers in my life, and I uh, made them pulled pork, pulled pork, and roasted corn on the cob, and baked sweet potatoes with honey, uh, cinnamon butter. Uh, and I, I uh, and five cheese garlic bread. I put everything on the table, and I did the dishes, and I did everything uh, for everybody. And so that was my uh, points for the year. So for the rest of the year, while she's doing the dishes every other night of the year, I get credit for having done it that one time. <laughs> right. Yeah, kind of funny how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's yeah, kind of so, the same way on Father's Day. It's like uh, dad gets to cook his own steak on the grill for Father's Day or or buy right. everybody. You know, dad gets to buy everybody dinner, uh, dinner. So that's happy Father's Day. You're buying us a steak. Right. <laughs> well, uh, yes, to all you mothers out there, we love you. We wouldn't be here without you. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> and so let's talk to a couple of mothers. I don't know if they're mothers. I just was looking for a transition there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Miss um, 
Molly Schrader and Miss Tracy Purdy of the Edina School District, uh, the Edina Public Schools. Uh, they are um, grand poobahs of all things Chromebook. So let's get them on and hear what they have to say. So Molly and Tracy, we'll begin uh, with just tell us a little bit about you. We'll, we'll dive into the the good tech stuff a little later on, but tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. And uh, Molly, we'll start with you. Well, my name is Molly Schrader, and I'm a technology integration specialist with the Dyna Public Schools, which is a first-ring suburb of Minneapolis. And uh, my job is really to support teachers in integrating technology into the classroom. So I was a fifth-grade teacher for a while, um, and then moved into this position where I support um, about six elementary schools. Um, and in about 2008, I um, had a great opportunity to go to the Google Teachers Academy, which is um, you know, an event that you apply for by video and application. And um, I was selected out of 50 teachers um, from around the world to go to the Googleplex in um, Mountain View, California, and was just, um, you know, sort of introduced to all the Google Apps for Education and all the tools um, that we can use for free in education. And since then, have really um, done a lot of work with implementing Google Apps, not only in our district, but um, around the country and then now really starting to do it around the world with um, just helping districts pilot and implement and train the teachers on the best uses of Google Apps for Education in the classroom. And so I'm also a Google Apps for Education certified trainer and started a little consulting company, um, which does help other districts kind of capitalize on what we've been able to do in Edina and share the great work that, you know, my teachers have been doing so that we can help people see some of the best uses. Okay, and uh, Tracy, same question. Yep, I um, am a fourth grade teacher in Edina. I teach at a school called Concord Elementary School, and this is my 10th year teaching. Um, I have, last year I received my teaching and technology certificate, and uh, in 2010 was the Edina Technology Teacher of the Year, and have uh, just gotten Chromebooks this year, and have really just love using all forms of technology in my classroom. Well, congratulations on that honor. Uh, tell us a little bit about Edina Public Schools. Uh, what what kind of school district is it? How large is it? How many students? That sort of thing. Just so we have an idea of uh, what we're dealing with. Yeah, Edina Schools um, has about eight thousand seven between seven and eight thousand students. We're a first ring suburb of an extremely supportive district community, and um, just really invests in the school district. And so we've had. Um, about 10 years ago, we were one of the first metro area schools to pass a specific technology levy. So we had a, a levy um, and some money that was allocated directly towards technology in the schools. And so we've recently um, just passed another one, um, which just shows the continued support of the, um, the community within the school systems. People move into our community um, in the metro area because of the schools. We are nationally recognized um, and you know, usually in the Newsweek top 100 schools. And so we're, we're a very, um, I would say we pride ourselves on excellence and always trying to sort of um, do the cutting edge. We also are um, implementing BYOD. And so that's a little bit about where we stand with technology. However, our, our biggest conversation right now is how do we bridge where we are, which is, you know, anywhere between 12 and 25% of the students actually bringing devices to what we know is going to be kind of, you know, the 
every student is going to have a device for learning in the pretty near future. So we're trying to sort of wrestle with um, how do we get from A to B. And what's the uh, economic makeup of, of your students for the most part? Um, you know, we are becoming more diverse, yet we're, um, you know, definitely um, a larger white population, but um, have some pretty interesting diversity that's popping up into a lot of our schools. And, um, you know, very well supported school with um, very supportive um you know, we have an Edina Ed Fund, which raises money just specifically for the schools to do innovative projects, which is how we actually first got this um, this first couple sets of Chromebooks um, in our school. And so um, I would say we're highly supportive and um, with within the community. Trace, do you have anything to add? I would say, I mean, middle class to upper middle class, economic, economic. makeup. <laughs> yeah, makeup. That's it. All right. Sean, did you have anything you want to say? I'm hogging the conversation here. No, yeah, I was just thinking of that magical number, you know, reduce lunches. <laughs> 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 Which I don't even know. Do, is is that a, a something, a metric that you measure things by up there? Or? The free and reduced lunch? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a lot of students on free and reduced lunch. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know if you're looking for a specific percentage or not, but I mean, it's 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 a part of every single school district, no matter what your right. socioeconomic is, that you always have kids, and and that number is growing continually as far as um, you know, just supporting kids that are on free and reduced lunch. Yep. In in Texas, that's sort of how we gauge everything is by what okay. percentage of your population uh, can't afford to feed themselves, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's definitely a, it's a part of every school district. And, um, you know, when you really start talking about technology, it's not just about devices, but it's access to technology and not just access, but access to the kind of technology that you and I expect that when we open the computer, it doesn't take, you know, 10 minutes to load up and you're not, you don't have to dial up, um, you know, internet access because we're not going to be very productive learners if, if that's the technology we have for access. So we really strive to, um, take a look at equity and see what what equity to access means uh, when we implement any kind of tech, new technology. So tell us about the Chromebook. What is it? Let's assume that nobody in our audience has ever heard of one, which would be ridiculous. But uh, let's just assume that and go from there. Give us a, a quick overview of what a Chromebook is. Do you want to take this, Trace? Sure. Um, a Chromebook is just a personal laptop computer that um, only runs the web, uh, specifically runs Chrome OS. Um, so it doesn't have any desktop that you save anything to. It doesn't, you can't download programs to it anything or anything like that. So it's just the web. Um, I'm, I'm curious uh, because I'm thinking of uh, much like Android or uh, uh, the iDevices, I know Google has their own uh, store, so to speak. Uh, do these devices, uh, can they bring in those applications? Yes. Okay. Uh, each one has the Chrome store um, on it, and they're just um, usually all the applications that you have on there are all web applications, but you can set it, set it up so that you have a little app icon for each of your different yeah, but really, they're just web links, right? They're just bookmarks, yeah. essentially. Yep, that's it. Essentially, right. yeah, bookmarks. 
But I think, I mean, so so Google, I was part of a, a group of people that was invited to Google in February to um, learn about more about their marketing strategy and sort of what their, their next steps are in the Chromebook. And, um, you know, I mean, there are people out there that have never seen or heard or touched a Chromebook because there's not a, you know, a store, there's not a Google store that you can go to to touch one. But um, you know, they have a pretty cool strategy as far as that that Chrome marketplace, uh, the Chrome web store, um, in the fact that they are working really um, intentionally with a lot of vendors and third-party programs to make that store not just bookmarks, because some of them are, but if you've taken a look at um, WeVideo or PicMonkey or some of those have actually a little bit of integration in them, a little bit of the HTML5 that that makes them a little bit more than just a um, glorified bookmark. But then it also, you know, so they're really working hard to, um, if you go into the Desmos graphing calculator is one of the um, the apps that's in there that, that does a pretty cool job of um, actually taking you to more than just a website, but it's a, it's a pretty interactive calculator. So their strategy within that, you know, they also realize that they have the Android marketplace and then they have the Chrome Web Store. And then there's also something called the Google Apps Marketplace, which is where the vendors, you know, you can kind of populate into Google Apps. But, um, you know, so so I think they're working on that app environment and sort of working those those ones together into one, one single environment. All right. So I, I'm curious. Let's just, uh, let's get things started. Uh, so uh, kind of, lead us into how this all came about as far as you starting to implement the Chromebook there. So uh, let's say last year, no such thing as Chromebooks in your district and somebody somewhere decided, hey, let's try this thing out. How, how did that all come about? Trace, I'll start and then you finish. Um, we, a lot of the schools around us are implementing a one-to-one -one iPad initiative. And we have been a little bit more in the bring your own device and know that we need to do, start talking about this bridge to, you know, getting people to actually have, you know, a pretty saturated amount of people that have devices. And so in our mind, what we need to do is we needed to pilot a couple different types of devices just to make sure that, you know, we knew if we were gonna implement something, what it was gonna be, or if we wanted to provide choice for the students, is this a viable choice? Is, is the Chromebook something that we feel like we could manage, um, that the students would like, that the teachers would be able to use enough? And so it was under my initiative that I said, I really wanted to get a couple sets of Chromebooks within our school district just so that, um, you know, we weren't missing out on just trying something new and seeing what the implementation was. We are a heavy Google Apps for Education um, district we've been using it for about the last three years every staff and student has access and and um, we have a pretty good use per day of how many students are in there using it and staff so um me being a google certified teacher and really loving the chromebooks i was the lucky recipient of one of the free cr48s and got pretty excited about it so we um like i was saying we have a a um, group called the Edina Education Fund that that strictly raises money for raises money from the community to support innovation innovative ideas of teachers and so that was the perfect place that Tracy and I could come together and um, you know put together the grant so Tracy do you want to talk about just what your kids had been doing that led you up to thinking that the Chromebook was fun I was really looking for some kind of one-to-one -one device for my students. Um, 
it was, you know, my students would comment on the fact that if we didn't go into the computer lab one day, they'd be like, wow, we didn't go into the computer lab today. And so walking over to the computer lab and getting the lab time to do all the projects that I wanted to do was challenging. And so when I heard about the Chromebook and heard about this opportunity, um, I thought it would be a perfect uh, fit for my classroom. Uh, we do a lot. We use a lot of web tools uh, for different projects, and I can get more into that later. Um, and I wanted to be able to use Egina apps a little bit more. I wanted my students to be able to collaborate on more documents, and um, the Chromebook has definitely made that a lot easier. So when Molly came to me with this idea, I thought it sounded like a fantastic idea, and I was really excited about the opportunity. So we wrote a grant to our Edina Education Fund, which we can um, write grants up to $5,000. So that was, you know, just around half of a class set. And I also knew that um, we were, that Google was offering a free cart and cloud printer um, for the first set of 30 that your district would order. And um, I knew that that was getting low. <laughs> and so I kind of pushed the envelope a little bit to get a little, to get um, some more. We also had another, um, two teachers um, in the ninth grade that were really excited about implementing Chromebooks and trying them out in their class too. So we actually have a set of 30 um, and we we wrote two grants to get those two sets. And then Tracy has a set in her classroom. Um, and so once we got the okay on the grant, we uh, we actually went through a, um, a vendor, a local vendor here called Augusto. So you can either order through Google or um, they've they've been um, sort of charging some of the the vendors that they can sell Chromebooks to. And you have to buy the Chromebook through Google to get the management console. And so we wanted to do that. So we ordered them. And um, in about four days, we had them turn around and deployed and in the hands of the kids. Yeah. And so do these devices just stay in the classroom or do the kids ever take them home? Or uh, what's the their use uh, like there? Uh, when my kids walk in in the morning, they go to the cart and they get them out and pretty much have them out at their desk all day long. And then at the end of the day, they return them to the cart. They don't take them home at this point. It might be something I would look into in the future, but um, right now I've just been using them at school during the day. And do you have any other devices? I mean, are there any other laptops or tablets or portable devices in any other classes or is uh, your Chromebook your first experience with that or is it just a, a new dabbling in something different uh, how does that fit in uh, like like what the you you said a fourth grade and a ninth grade what does everybody else have there are um specifically in my school there are a few different grade levels that have some ipads to share but mainly we just have a couple of different computer labs that uh, we have three different computer labs that you can go to but molly you could probably talk about some of the other schools and what they're using. But yeah, was, you know, we, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, this was something new for me. I haven't had any iPads in my classroom. I, um, I was just hope, I was really excited to start with even any kind of device, one-to-one -one device. So in the other um, classrooms, a lot of the teachers, uh, there are a lot of pilot and pockets of iPads. Um, and most of those devices are shared. Some of them are in special ed, but otherwise um, most teachers just have about five computers in the back of their classroom. And then they have a lab that they can visit. Um, and then within the pockets, there are some 
um, iPads. We have one elementary school that probably has about 120 iTouches that are available for checkout and um, for learning. But other than that, um, these two class, the, the two Chromebooks are a little bit more of a one-to-one -one classroom experience. So the two ninth grade teachers share them, so they don't have them 100% of the time, but they, um, you know, they're implementing them so that every student has a device at their desk. Um, I want to jump in here before we actually get into uh, the stricter sense of implementation. Uh, I want to touch on the grant. Now, is that an internal grant that your district offers up? And uh, basically, it's kind of a free for all the teachers within the district have to apply for that? Or what, what type of grant was that? Yep, yeah, it is. Go ahead, Go ahead Trace. Okay. Um, it is the Edina Education Fund fundraises just within Edina and then all the grants are available for only Edina teachers and you do have to write a pretty lengthy um, grant um, that you know not every single I, I wrote another grant this year too and only one of them or was part of writing another one and not every single one is granted they're just looking for really innovative different ideas and while you know a little bit more about the history of the ed funder yeah, and they're not only technology projects, which is sort of interesting too. So it really can be anything innovative that you want to do in your classroom that um, isn't part of the normal operating budget. And so um, it's it's a district level grant um, that only Edina teachers can apply for. So. Okay, so uh, just moving to the obvious question, have you found them functional? Uh, having essentially a browser and a, uh, with a keyboard uh, has there have you been able to do everything you needed to to do, uh, or have there been moments of of frustration with oh I wish I could do X but I can't? I have been able to do everything that I want to do. Our one and only at the very beginning um, problem was we had to just get another access point for wireless in my classroom because the signal wasn't quite strong enough. So when the students wanted to collaborate on a document, it wasn't. Um, updating very fast and uh, was very frustrating. But ever since we've had the access point in our classroom, I've been able to do everything that I want to do. Um, I think I, um, I mean, in the past, most of my projects have been web-based using different web programs such you know, um, all of the Google Apps um, documents and presentations and um, using things like Blabberize and WeVideo. Um, so I would say we have been able to do everything and um, go ahead. The natural, the natural implementation for Tracy was that she was already, her kids were savvy online and on the web. And so putting the Chromebooks in the hands of the kids was just almost like, okay, warp speed. Now they know what they're doing. They have so many ways that they're collaborating throughout the day. Um, you know, one of the big things that we talk about in the district is that um, you know, a lot of the testing, you'll, you won't be able to do testing on the Chromebook. And then some of our intervention software that we haven't necessarily purchased as the web version, but only have done the software version. Those are um, a couple of the challenges that we found. Um, there's supposedly a, a couple um, new apps or in, um, third party vendors in the marketplace that are going to help you to run programs that you would actually need to download some software on the Chromebook by sort of... Um, you know, you would um, you would um, use a Citrus Citrus Citrix program to get into another device from your Chromebook, so remoting in. Um, but I think that 
if you're used to online collaboration and Google Docs and accessing the web and doing, you know, your work there, then the Chromebook is a very easy, um, you know, step in the right direction. But if you haven't done that online collaboration, and if you're not used to using Google Docs, it is a very different environment to learn to work in. If you open the, the Chromebooks with the kids, though, they've got all their own bookmarks. It doesn't matter which computer they log into. They're all synced. They've got um, you know, all of their access that that they like through their what we call Edina apps, which is our Moodle and Google portal. And um, the kids really, they're, they navigate all over the place. And um, I don't think, I think that the benefits of the Chromebook, which we haven't even talked about with the eight second boot up time, the, the um, eight hour battery life, and the fact that you can close and open the screen and it's on instance, it's instant on are all some of the really good classroom management things we think about when you think of devices. And so those have been, I think, just really incredible for the students, especially, I mean, even at a fourth grade level, these kids, um, we should have had a few of them on the call. They're, they're some of our best sales team <laughs> with why this is working. Uh, well, Molly, you mentioned that you are uh, heavily invested in the Google universe as, as more and more schools are becoming. Uh, would you say you could make use of the Chromebooks without that being the case? Or do you need to lay that foundation first before they become useful? Well, you're going to need to be able to use the, you know, Edina apps and Google apps for education in order to use the Chromebook. So I would say some experience of creating and collaborating on online documents is probably pretty important, but I would put, I wouldn't put it by, you know, at least the students that they already know how to navigate that world so well that it's, you know, the teachers of just allowing them to provide, you know, projects and opportunities for the kids to use them um, is pretty great. A lot of the teachers that I work with now, um, you know, just really comment about how much the kids teach them about a lot of the technology that they use. So um, I don't know if I would use a Chromebook as my only teaching device, because there are some software that you use as a teacher, you know, if you have Smart Notebook or Active Inspire, you know, for an interactive whiteboard or some of the projector tools that you need networked and things like that. But, um, you know, putting the Chromebook in the hand of the students is, I think, a pretty ideal device when you're wanting to do a lot of the productivity apps, you know, within Google and then the Web 2.0 apps. And uh, I mean, you just have to do a lot of lessons with the students at the beginning. Like if you did get Chromebooks and like at the beginning of the year next year, I mean, I'm going to start out with the Chromebooks and they'll just slowly learn all of the different tools, um, just like they did in the computer lab. And for the tech weenies out there like myself who might be listening, uh, how well did these machines integrate into your existing infrastructure? Did, the, uh, for example, if your students already had login accounts, were they able to to use that and, and fit right in? Or did they have to have separate accounts or uh, how did that work? They did not need separate accounts. They used their same um, Edina apps, Google apps login. Just when they open up the Chromebook, they put in their email address and their password and they're off and running it was that easy so presumably yeah, so like like at my school we we use uh both google apps and moodle and and uh the moodle serves as an integration between active directory and our google apps so that you have one password and one account i am assuming you had something similar to that already set up so that just fit right into your infrastructure is that about right yeah, that's exactly right. That's what we do too, is that's that's the same route of our authentication. Um, if you don't do the Moodle Google single sign-on, 
when you sign into the Chromebook for the first time, you're automatically logged in. In your situation and ours as well, the kids sign into the Chromebook and then they still have to sign into the Moodle portal. But they're very used to that. That's what they do on their PC machines is they sign in once and then they sign in again when they get to the web. So it hasn't been um, very different. But, you know, the management dashboard behind the scenes on the Chromebook is really um, what are the better features that that you get, especially when comparing it to um, some of the management um, challenges with the iPad is that it doesn't matter what Chromebook you log into, um, you know, all your stuff is there because it's synced across just your account as opposed to, um, you know, just having one with shared apps and the infrastructure. So the, the behind the scenes management console really allows you to set specific um, profiles for different groups that you have within Google Apps for Education. So if a third grader logs into a Chromebook, these specific Websites pop up, apps and extensions, whereas a ninth grader logs in, they get different web websites that open right up and apps and extensions. So you can really customize the experience by the groupings that you have in Google Apps for Education with the Chromebook and the Management Console. Without having to do any specific uh, or hardware specific configuration, right? No. Yeah, no, it's all in the dashboard of your, your Google Apps for Education. You just... There's when you order Chromebooks, you all of a sudden get in your settings, you get um, Chrome OS and you can track all your devices. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a place where you can keep track of all the devices in which classes they're in, the serial numbers. Um, and then you set different specifications for different um, user groups. Now, uh, I, I'm curious, you, you already touched on the fact that you had to do something to bolster your wireless. Um, at what point did you, I, I'm assuming you have some sort of centralized uh, technology team, and we're talking about the geeks. Um, at what point did you, did you have to collaborate with them? I mean, was it early on? Was it something where you got these devices and then said, hey, you know, can you guys help us uh, integrate these? Or how did that whole process work? Within the first week, um, I, Molly had been in the classroom a few times and we had just talked about the problems that we were having uh, with it sometimes just going in and out of wireless or the uh, trouble collaborating on documents. Um, and she and I talked, I talked with my building principal and we also talked with, um, to, I talked with my building principal to get the funding for it. And then it was pretty easy to just go ahead and order it. and. It took a little bit longer, probably two weeks to get it installed, but it was, it, I, what I love about the Chromebooks is that I feel like I can manage them pretty well. There are a few things that I have reached out to Molly for or um, somebody else in our technology department, but other than that, I, I feel like I can manage most of the problems that we come across, whereas I feel like the computers in the back of my classroom, I was always talk, uh, calling our tech para and asking her to come down and help with a different problem that was going on and I couldn't solve it. But with the Chromebooks, I haven't encountered that yet. Did you ever have a, a student hose one so bad that it had to be reset or are they pretty much bulletproof? You know, we did have one problem with one. Tracy had one student that was, it was freezing up, but that started right when we got the Chromebook. So I uh, contacted the Chrome Ninja support, which is what it says on the website. <laughs> and um, so we actually wiped the device because when you get the devices, you have to enroll them into your um, domain. And then, um, you know, if you by accident log in before you enroll it, there's a way you can put it in developer mode and wipe it. 
So we tried that. And then um, if there's still a problem after that, then they ask you to um, actually re-download Chrome OS onto a, um, a USB and then reinstall Chrome OS on the Chromebook. And we still were having just freezing issues. And so um, they replaced it in a one day business day um, replacement with a Chromebook. And so that was a great experience to even have that too. I, I don't know of a lot of people who've even been through that process. So I didn't have a lot of support in finding out how to do it, but it was a pretty incredible experience with the Google support team as well. Uh, and so one other question is, uh, as a teacher, is there any method of oversight? Can you see what your kids are doing? Can you interfere with it in any way? Can you interact with it in any way? Or is it just sneaker net security where you walk around and look over their shoulder? Yeah, definitely. It's just making sure you walk around and look over their shoulder. I don't have the ability to just like have all of their screens on my screen to see exactly what they're doing or a tracking. I could go back into their history and see what they were doing. Um, so no, I just, I have to trust them and I just, you know, kind of have to walk around the room. I, I feel like the kids are better at policing each other. They kind of are like, you're not supposed to be on that or, uh, and they let me know um, if anybody is playing cool math games when they're not supposed to be. Um, but the other, I mean, using... I mean, really, how bad is that if they're playing a math game when they're not supposed <laughs> I know. to? Really? That's they're so really bad. They're great games, too. They're good thinking games. So, <laughs> But no, that's not that bad. And I haven't had any experiences, you know, with anything, with any kids doing anything horrible. My, I don't know. I've got a good class of kids this year, so... <laughs> Teacher, yeah. he's learning something he's not supposed to learn. <laughs> he's going ahead. <laughs> Extra work. <laughs> well, we're we're nearing the end of our time together. I, I promised you it'd only be about a half hour, so I, I want to hold uh, hold myself to that. So I'll ask you both. Um, uh, we'll start with you, Tracy. The the question that I ask everybody: uh, if you had one uh, final thought or one message that you wanted to make sure that our audience left with here tonight, what would that be? Well, you know, I've, I've been having a lot of fun. I've had the Chromebooks for probably a month to a month and a half now. And um, I'm really just amazed at what it has done to my classroom, the way that things have changed. Um, I feel like the kids are starting to understand that feeling of being able to learn anytime and anywhere. Their engagement and their excitement for different projects is definitely much higher. Um, they weren't writing very much before and now they just they keep on wanting to write more and more stories and so i just feel like it's had a really positive effect um the i had a parent come in the other day and she was commenting on the fact that oftentimes in a classroom you kind of have a lull time in between lessons and she said you know what i feel like the lull time is almost gone and the kids are engaged for so much more time during the day and so that's pretty awesome when you can say that the kids are learning more and engaged more throughout the day. So um, I don't know. It's just had a really, it's been really a lot of fun and I'm enjoying it. So we'll see how the rest of the time continues with them. Learning is fun. That's quite a yeah. message. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Molly? I think, you know, when you're thinking about devices, we are um, going to begin a new implementation of some new devices and, my biggest question to ask teachers is what do you want the kids to be able to do? Because if you know what you want the students to be able to do or how they want to learn, you can get to the bottom of what device makes sense. But 
in it's all in 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 all circumstances it's really not about the device it's about the learning and that's what we really try to focus on is um, focus on the student learning um, but engage the kids in the world that they live in um, and that usually does mean some sort of technology and device all right thank you for that uh and ladies thank you for your time and we appreciate you being with us and uh, i think that was a great look at chromebooks on anything else before we say good night no just thank you very much for taking the time to join us it's been a pleasure ladies yeah thanks so much it's been great and again that was uh molly schrader and tracy purdy of edina public schools uh sean i don't think they said where where is edina uh was it i think they said well, see i'm gonna get this wrong i thought they said indianapolis but it, they certainly said at the beginning of the show okay i just or maybe it. it was minneapolis i, I don't know. Uh, yeah <laughs> they weren't talking texan i knew that yeah much. thanks thanks for putting me on the spot <laughs> <laughs> no you know what i'm so glad that molly ended with that uh that point and she actually uh we were uh sort of collaborating on show notes uh this morning and uh, at some point, I can't remember where it was, but she had put in something to to that effect that it's not really about the device. It's about finding out what you want to accomplish and finding the right device for that. And I, I think that's such an important point to make because it seems like more and more now, it's like, give me iPads, give me iPads, right. and I'll figure out some way to implement them. Uh, when that's really not the way we should be thinking about this. We should be thinking about, you know, what do you want to accomplish? What, what uh, you know, what are you trying to do in your classroom? And and then find the appropriate device for that and, and don't move forward with such single-mindedness. Yeah, we've commented on that many times. The uh, the emails that we see flying across uh, mailing lists, I, I've just got approved to buy 100 iPads. Now somebody tell me how I can use them. Right, right. Yeah, and it's definitely, you know, putting the cart before the horse. And uh, that's an expensive cart. Right. Uh, and we didn't ask uh, about uh, cost. I, I was going to ask that, but uh, uh, as I recall, a Chromebook is about four hundred dollars, and uh, you pay a five dollar. I think. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it's five dollar per student per year administration fee. On top of that, something Certainly, close to which, that. You know, sounds very reasonable. Uh, and I, I'm, you know, guessing uh, just the management side of that. Uh, you know, it's certainly. Uh, with all of that said, it's considerably cheaper than uh, a, a car, a, a sinking card, and iPads, and right. you know, in, in the same number, it's probably a, a fraction of that. So, uh, you know, not to say that that is an apples to apples comparison, but it's certainly, you know, compelling enough to be something that you need to take a look at. I got my first look at Chromebooks, my first hand hands-on experience uh, about a month ago uh, at, a, at a meeting I went to. And it was a, a session on. We got to play with Chromebooks. I got to experience the 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 much vaunted eight second boot up and the uh, uh, the login. And I, I entered my uh, credentials, my Google credentials for the school, and all my stuff was there. And then I logged out and entered my personal Google credentials, and all that stuff was there. And it was it's uh, it was really cool. And uh, but I, I got to be honest, I didn't get it. At the end of this four hour presentation, I went to. I thought I don't get it. Uh, for four hundred dollars, I can get a netbook that's roughly the same size. Um, will do everything this device does, plus some. Uh, so I just, 
you know, somebody's going to have to convince me. And um, I, I know Sean has a, a future guest lined up that uh, that's his job is to convince people. So uh, uh, hopefully I can learn a little bit about that. But I'm just not bullish on the Chromebooks right now. And in fact, they were talking about the, the new Chromebook uh, 2.0 is coming out. And basically people were demanding faster processors and more capacity. And the, uh, the Google representatives who were there say, were saying, don't buy that. All it gets you is shorter battery life because you don't need faster processor to want to run a browser. You don't need more right. RAM to run a browser. But uh, apparently businesses won't buy it because it doesn't meet their minimum spec. So they're coming out with one that meets minimum spec, even though all it does is reduce the, the overall functionality of it. Right. Well, and Mark, I mean, I can certainly see where you're coming from on this one. Uh it's just who you are. <laughs> I can see both sides of this argument because I can certainly see a fourth grade teacher in the classroom uh, with those students. And, uh, you know, sometimes simpler is better. And uh, I have a feeling that's kind of what they're experiencing is, uh, you know, not having the functionality of a full device. It may actually be a benefit for them. Right. I didn't say it wasn't valid. I just said I don't get it. Right. <laughs> Mark can't tell net from it. He's not happy. <laughs> Actually, there is a new Chrome plugin that will let you do a terminal session from Chrome. Of so course. you can. And you would know that. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on? Uh, please do. What is our uh, teacher tip for this week? Because we don't have a tech tip. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, the teacher tip this week is uh, advanced plagiarism checker. Uh, the uh, the web address is searenginereports.net slash articlecheck.aspx, if you must know. Uh, but you can go to uh, elementop.com and uh, you can find that link in the show notes. Uh, we, you know, there's there's actually several tools out there on the web that do this. I think we highlighted one uh, very early on. I think we've the, recommended a couple over the, over the year. Right. Years. And uh, th this is another one. It's very simplistic. You just go to this page. Uh, it's 100% free. You paste your text in there and it will check your text against uh, all the great stuff out there on the web. So uh, it checks it against uh, Google and Google Scholar abstracts and Bing and Yahoo and just basically all the different search engines. It takes the entire document and pieces of that. Uh, it parses pieces of, of that document and uh, checks to see if it's out there on the web if your students are uh, plagiarizing something. Uh, so, uh, you know, Check it out. It's very simple. Go to the site, paste your text in there, and have it check. Uh, you can. Uh, there's a little slider there for sensitivity. So if you want it to be really, uh, really sensitive, you can. Uh, if you've used something like this before, you'll you'll know that uh, the more sensitive you make it, really kind of less accurate you make it, uh, because it'll start. It has to the find, word like, "duh" in it. It's plagiarized. Right. Right. So keep that in mind. If you, you know, you think that more is, is better and you set it to the highest sensitivity and next thing you know, it's like half the internet, uh, matches this document. So, uh, so do keep that in mind, but, uh, check it out. It's, uh, advanced plagiarism checker. And that's at searenginereports.net slash article check dot ASPX. You know what I think would be fun is to take any random page from Wikipedia and paste the text of it into a plagiarism search engine and see how many <laughs> web pages are just blatant ripoffs of Wikipedia or perhaps who right. Wikipedia ripped off uh, either way. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're, you're probably right. I, I oh, geez, especially with well, okay, Google Docs isn't isn't public, so because if you could check all of Google Docs, like everything that a student has put up on Google Docs against the web, yeah, it'd probably be pretty bad. I heard a great quote recently from the founder of Wikipedia, and it was: "The problem with Wikipedia is it only works in practice; it can never work in theory." <laughs> right, right. Uh, I think it's funny, uh, you know, we have a uh, high school student in the chat room, and uh, he, he's finding this all pretty funny. <laughs> he knows the truth. <laughs> yeah, when I was, when I was uh, you know, in school, plagiarism required a pen and, and it, at the very least a photocopier. Uh, and it was, right, it was or a trip a to the library. Work. Right. Um, I just this doesn't have anything to do with anything but uh the other night I was having trouble sleeping and I was uh flipping through late night television there was an old episode of Friends on uh used to love Friends it was one of my favorites so it still holds up pretty well but uh there was an episode right. where uh uh Penn of Penn and Teller Penn Gillette was a uh encyclopedia salesman trying to sell Joey a set of encyclopedias and it literally made me laugh cuz that's how people used to get their information these this set of books that you had on the shelf and uh and that that's how you you know it was like the world wide web you know version 0.1 um but yeah, I used to have a set of Funk and Wagnalls encyclopedias that uh, my grandfather had uh, given me when I was a kid that that he had bought when he was a kid. So, you know, it was it was kind of the thing that back then old was good. And now if it's more than a week old, we think it's not any good anymore. Right, right. You know, I just heard uh, this last week that uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, I think, is uh, this is the last year that they're going to have yeah, a printed they, version. They have printed their last uh encyclopedia yeah end of an era man and it's about 20 years too late in my opinion 10 <laughs> <Right>. at least <laughs> all so, right well let's wrap this thing up well sean if somebody wanted to uh, find out more about us and uh, the offerings that we have online where would they go to do that they would go to element op Dot com. I don't do that as well as you do, Mark, but uh, thank you for the handoff. <laughs> and uh, that's really the central place where you can find out all about this show and our many other great shows. Uh, so check it out there. You can also interact with us on the forums. A uh, great way to get a hold of us. Or you can just uh, email us and uh, we'll be sure to get back to you. So uh, many ways you can contact us. Jump on there. You can find us on Twitter at Element Opie. And for this show, slash Tightwad Tech, uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Element Or you can call us if you would like to. Boy, it's been a while since we've had a phone call for this show. It has been. And you would do that at 559-IM-OPI. And one thing, uh, this is episode 99. Next week is the big episode 100. And uh, we are soliciting, since he mentioned voicemails, we are soliciting voicemails from our listeners. Give us a call and tell us uh, what your favorite moment is or uh, ridicule us about something stupid we did. Uh, just we would like for episode 100 to uh, be a collection, at least in part, a collection of, of you people uh, talking to us because uh, literally you are the reason we do this, right? So 
we would like for you to uh, to send us some voicemails to uh, come out. And this will come out on Thursday, and we will record that on Monday. So by the time you hear this, don't dilly-dally. Don't say, um, <laughs> you know, I'll get to that next week. No, you have to you have to do it right there. Even if you're driving, you can do it right from your phone. It, it, cell phones are pretty much toll-free everywhere you want to go. So dial 559-IMOP and uh, leave us a message and just uh, let's just have some fun with it. And let's celebrate episode uh number 100 not the 100th episode but episode number 100 yeah i'm glad you threw that in there mark because i was going to get ready to say the same thing i'm like okay the show comes out thursday and we record monday so you only have a few days to actually do this you know because i can see like three weeks from now we'll be getting calls hey congratulations guys episode 100 i've been listening from the beginning you guys are great you rock there's an example for you, by the way. And I'm and I if I get those, I will play them if they come in a year from now. I will do that anyway. Um, and right, if, right. Especially if they insult Sean for his balding nature, I'll play those too. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs> okay, let's get out of here. Well, we do have a question from the chat room specifically for you, Sean. Um, do you have any bacon news this week? Ah, uh, yes, bacon bracket. Uh, gosh. How did I make it this long and not mention the bacon bracket? Uh, it, it's all that hair falling out. I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we have round two wrapping up. As a matter of fact, it'll wrap up tonight. I'm probably not going to get to updating the bracket tonight. I'll do it in the morning. Uh, but uh, we're down to eight. And uh, we will be down to four. We'll be in the final four tomorrow. So uh, I'm not going to uh, make any announcements or anything. You can go over to the uh, to our website, elementopi.com. Head on over to the forums and you'll find the Bacon Madness Bracket. Uh, and that is uh, current as of last week. And tomorrow it will be down to the final four. So go check it out. See uh, what the final four is. Uh, you know, there's not really any big surprises there. I think... Uh, thick cut bacon is kind of leading the way and uh, uh, what else uh, oh geez I don't even have it pulled up now but check it out <laughs> uh, yeah lots of fun so uh, and, and maybe I don't know if I make it for the periodic table on Thursday then uh, maybe I can do an update there too all right thank you uh, this was a great show Mark there we go I was just waiting I couldn't do anything until you said that <laughs> Wait. Wise one in the chat room just said if we get Ted calls, Sean will take off the hat. <laughs> I'll have to cut my hair like I did last summer. Now you know you're a, a loyal listener if you know what my hair looked like last summer. Alright. So on that note, I will say this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>